and Ali uh, and I, uh, the pastors here, and it's lots of fun. Hey, yeah, we have five kids. Um, we're not quite sure what's doing that yet. We'll figure it out, but put a stop to it. Uh, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> one more. <laughs> Don't encourage it. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, welcome if you're online as well. It's really great to have you here. For those that are uh, still at home during Level 2 and for those just tuning in for the first time, it's so good to have you on. Well, we've been uh, doing a, a series over the last few weeks called Disrupt the System, Practicing the Ways of Jesus. And uh, so we've been looking at how, how following Jesus actually disrupts the systems of the world. They actually uh, want dis, to dis, uh, disrupt us. They want to disorientate us, distract us, and ultimately disconnect us from true, the true source of life, which is Jesus. And so we have to, in turn, disrupt them so that we can, uh, we can find our life, our, our hope, and all that in Jesus. So, so we, we looked uh, in the first week what it means to be with Jesus. We looked at what it's like to become like Jesus. Um, then we had uh, Matt Lands down here, and he talked about doing what Jesus did. Uh, and then uh, Annette spoke on prayer. And then last week, uh, Sarah spoke on the disruptive practice of solitude. Who was challenged by that? Yeah. Finding <laughs> solitude. It was really, really good. It was such a great message. So I encourage you to go back and have a listen to those if you haven't, just to catch up with where we're at. But this week, um, we are talking about, uh, we're talking about money. Yeah. Everyone's like, crap. <laughs> wrong week to come, you know, like, who wants to talk about money? Uh, anyway, that's what we're talking about. So, um, so, uh, so first of all, I just want to encourage us with the, the idea, you know, that to follow Jesus is to embrace disruption. If you've decided to become a Jesus follower, but you are uncomfortable with disruption, you're going to find it hard to follow Jesus, because the way of Jesus is disruptive. Um, you know, you look through a lot of the teachings of Jesus, he was disrupting the religious system of the day, he was disrupting the political system of the day, and he was calling a, a group of people to follow him, uh, to bring his kingdom, which is restoring all things back to the original, uh, original identity and purpose. And we're going to have a look, a, lo a, little bit, a look at that today, what is the original purpose of money, and how can we redeem it? Um, so, yeah, uh, so, so a kingdom is... Um, Oh, yeah, and by the way, questions, if you've got questions, we have a Q&A time here at Awaken, so um, text those questions in, and, uh, and we will uh, have a little bit of a time later on. I've got a long hair. That must be yours, babe. All right. So a kingdom, a kingdom is a realm, uh, a realm in which, way w in which one way and one will hold sway. All right, so, we, so when we talk about the kingdom, we're talking about wills and ways. And so we're talking about um, surrendering our wills and ways to the ways of Jesus so that we can participate in his kingdom, so that we can be a witness to his kingdom. His, his kingdom is here now. His kingdom is in operation, whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And we get to choose to participate it and reveal it, represent it and be a witness to it in, in, that, in the ways that we decide to practice the ways of Jesus. And so it's, so it's about wills and ways. And so when we disrupt the systems of the world and practice the ways of Jesus, we actually bear witness to the kingdom. We're showing the people around us, this is what it looks like to participate in the kingdom of heaven. 
And so today we're going to talk about what it means to be generous like our Father. Generous like our Father. So, so uh, true significance out, out there we have on our thing that we believe that everyone belongs, that everyone can live free, that everyone has purpose, and that everyone is significant. What is significance? And what, and what is the difference between significance and success? Success is when I add, try to add value to my own life. Significance is when I try to add value to others. All right, and so we're called to live a significant lifestyle that adds value to others, and we do that, and one of the primary ways we do that is being generous like our Father. We, we add value to others by being generous. So significance is not found in what we do. Significance is found in who we reveal. All right, so we are living a significant lifestyle when we're revealing the good-hearted, like when we're revealing the Father, you know, revealing His goodness and His grace and His mercy and His generosity. So I personally believe that generosity is probably one of the best indicators that we are becoming more like Jesus. If our hearts are expanding and we're more open-handed with what we have, not just money, but time with resources, if we're becoming more open-handed, then we're becoming more like Jesus. We're living a bigger life. We're living a life that's beyond ourselves and we're becoming more like Him. And so, but the reality is that some of us actually need to be disrupted from our love of money some need to be disrupted from our fear of money. Some need to be disrupted from our trust in money. And some need to be disrupted of our ignorance of money's power. But all of us, all of us need to harness the disruptive power of kingdom generosity. We doing okay? All right, so, uh, so when we talk about um, disrupting the system, so we're talking about the systems of the world that, that seek to enslave us, that seek to distract us, disorientate us, and ultimately disconnect us. I, I believe that there is no, no more enslaving system than money. Uh, like, I mean, I, I would imagine that everyone in this room this week at some point had some thought about money and either some concern about it or anxiety or worry about it or... Uh, and I also guarantee that probably every, every one of us here spent our whole week either earning money or spending money. <laughs> In some way, shape, or form. Like, like, like life seems to revolve around money, doesn't it? And, and that's just a reality of life. So how do we redeem it? That's the question, eh? How do we redeem it to its original purpose? First, we've got to get out from under its power. So, um, so interestingly, Jesus actually showed us uh, how to get out from under its power. And, um, and so I, I would like to suggest when we talk about disrupting the system of money, there's sort of two levels of disruption that I want to talk about. Um, the first one is how do we not be enslaved by it? And the second one is how do we redeem its purpose? Um, I, I don't believe we can even start to redeem its purpose until we get out from underneath its power. All right, so... Um, so I'm going to give you some thoughts this morning, and I feel like I'm going to have to skip a whole lot um, because I've got so much. But anyway, <laughs> we could be here all day. Um, but so I'll just give you this thought. So, so a couple of years ago, I did a series on, on money. It was called The Church Just Wants My Money. <laughs> I thought everyone thinks it. Let's talk about it. Um, so, so I did a series, a three-part series, and so I talked in the first message, I talked about money myths all the myths that we believe around money. The second one, I talked about the spirit of mammon. I'm gonna talk a little bit about this today. And then the last one, I talked about manage or be managed, right? We either manage money or it manages us, right? So uh, what I'm gonna do this week is I'll, I'll actually um, put those messages out so you can go back and visit them, revisit them, because um, I'm sure you wanna hear about more, more about money. Um, and and uh, I'll put them on the podcast as well. 
All right, let's get into it. So Jesus uh, had this to say about money. He actually talked about money more than anything else. More than anything else, he talked about money. Um, and, and so when he talked about money, he was talking either about like wealth, possessions, stewardship, accountability, and, and he talked about that more than anything else. In fact, 10 times more than any other topic. He talked about money 10 times more than any other topic. He talked about it more than faith and salvation. Um, and, and, but I would like to suggest that actually um, our response to money uh, is really connected to our faith in Jesus. Right, so what it means to actually follow Jesus, I believe that money um, unmasks us. Money reveals what we really believe about Jesus. Our, our money response reveals what we really believe about Jesus, about God, about how good he is and how faithful he is. Right, so, so Jesus uh, gives us this passage in, in the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he says this, no man can serve two masters. He will hate one and love the other or he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. And he says this, you cannot serve God and mammon. All right, so what is mammon? Mammon is, is literally the spirit of money. Right, so some versions will just say money, but I wanted to particularly use that, that word mammon. Mammon is the spirit of money. And so in this passage, Jesus is setting up two opposites. He's saying, he's saying you, you either serve God or you serve the spirit of, of mammon. Um, right, so the word faith in Scripture is this word pistis. Right, and uh, the word pistis, the best way to translate that in English, it means allegiance. Right, so if I, I'm to say that I have faith in Jesus, it means that I give Jesus my allegiance. Right, and so what Jesus is saying here is that you either give Jesus your allegiance or you give your allegiance to money. It's either going to be one of those two things. And he says you can't choose both. It's either one or the other. So I, I believe that nothing is vying for your allegiance more than the spirit of money. Now, this has nothing to do with how rich or how poor you are. It has nothing to do with how much money is in your bank account. What Jesus is addressing is a spirit, a, a spirit that has power to enslave us, control us, and dominate us. Some are dominated by the love of money. Some are dom dominated by the fear of it. Some are dominated because we're just ignorant of it. We don't understand it. See, Jesus is saying that money is a great servant, but a very poor master. All right. Yeah, where am I going to go? All right, so are we starting to get the picture that there is a system at play here? There's, there's a system at play here, and it needs to be disrupted. For us to faithfully follow Jesus, we need to disrupt the system. See, the system wants to distract us, disorientate us, destroy us, ultimately disconnect us, and we must disrupt it. This is why Jesus talked about money more than anything else. I, I, he knew that this would be the thing that would enslave us the most. So I, you know, you know, can anyone think of something that has more power to corrupt society than money? What? All right, um, so, so to follow Jesus is about giving our allegiance to him. So it's not actually the physical money. I've got some money in my pocket here. So yay, I've got $50. $50. Got a fitty. Everyone's like, where the heck did he get that from? Eh? 
So it's not the physical money. It's not this that actually has the power. It's the spirit behind it, yeah? It's the spirit that is behind the money. It's not the physical thing. It's the spirit. And so, so let's ask, would there be any evidences in our life if the spirit had a hold of you? What would be the evidences? Uh, there'd, there'd be lots of them. But the first one, I think, um, would be anxiety. So after this passage, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't be anxious about money. Don't be anxious about trying to provide. Don't be anxious about these things. So the, the first evidence that money may have a hold of us is that we're anxious about money. Um, some of you this morning might have, you know, when you walked in the door and I said, hey, we're going to talk about money, like anxiety rose up in your, in your heart and you're going, oh, like, where's the exit? I need to get out of this place because, like, I'm anxious. I'm fearful about, about the topic of money. I feel uncomfortable when money is talked about. And, and I, I, that used to be me. Years ago when I, uh, you know, when we were first pastors here, I probably for the first three, maybe four years, I never spoke on money, ever, and, and because I was, I was fearful about how people would feel about it, how people would respond to that, and then uh, one day, uh, like God spoke really clear me, to, to me and said, as long as you don't speak about money, you're robbing my people. Come on, because people are under the influence of money, and that's, what, that's why Jesus continued to talk about it. And, and so, so I'm like, okay, I'm gonna keep talking about it then. And so, I, like, honestly, I'm not preaching you happy this morning. I'm preaching you free. Hey, like, like you may not like to hear about money. <laughs> you may not like to hear about it, but if you can get out from under its power, you will live a free life. Right, so, so anxiety, a, a fear about money. So who knows that God has not given us a spirit of fear. So if there is anxiety and worry and fear around the top of, of money, then, hey, you are, you are not under God's spirit. You're under the spirit of money. Um, so God doesn't have anxiety to give you. He has uh, power, love, and a sound mind. That's what he wants to give you. All right, here's another evidence, uh, a big one. Th this is a, a really important one. Uh, you just really struggle to give. Like you just struggle to, to give. If you have money, uh, you know, like you've got money in your hand and, and, and uh, if you're struggling to give, uh, you, you're not holding money, money is holding you. That, that's the truth. If you're struggling uh, to be open-handed with, with money, actually, actually money's got a hold of you. You haven't got a hold of it. And so that's a really good indicator that you just struggle with the idea of giving money, of being generous. That's just, that's just outside of your realm and you feel uncomfortable when, you maybe even feel uncomfortable when people do it around you. So one of the... Um, one of the greatest ways um, to, well, one of the other ways that we could think about if money's got a hold of it, what, like impulse buying? Yeah, yeah like, like shopping as a form of escapism? Yeah? That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but that's true, you know, like, like we, we, we're using money to try and get some of our needs met, um, you know, and so, so you know, that's, that's a, another, uh, another way that we could do it. You know, we're spending more than we've got. We've got more debt than we do have money in our bank accounts. You know, we're spending up credit cards and we've got multiple credit cards and we just can't stop shopping, buying things. Uh, that's a, a really good uh, picture or idea that you are under the power of money. Uh, now, when I talk about the spirit of money, uh, you know, at the end of the service, what we're going to do is we're going to get everyone and cast the demon. No, we're not, not going <laughs> to. <laughs> No, no, so, so yes, this is, this is a demonic power, but this is not about casting it out. It's not something we cast out. It's like, it's like an orphan spirit. You can't cast an orphan spirit out. You just need to let love in and let love displace that orphan spirit. But, uh, but with, with, um, with the spirit of money, you actually have to make a choice about who your allegiance is to. 
This is what Jesus is saying. You want to disarm the spirit of mammon? Then it's actually about who's first. And I talk about that lots in the message. Uh, go and listen to it. All right. Um, so so this, this, was, this was Jesus' answer to it. Later on in the passage, he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things, what are all these things? All the things he said not to worry about. All these things will be added to you. So all the things that we're anxious about. He said, you seek first the kingdom, all these things will be added. You, you put me first, I'll look after you. That's what he's saying. So how do, how do we disarm the spirit of mammon? It's the principle of first fruits. It's putting Jesus first. It's putting his kingdom first. It's putting his agenda first. Um, when, when Ali and I, uh, when we sit down to do a budget, the first thing that goes on our bu- budget is, is our giving. First thing, not the last thing. It's not the leftovers, it's the first thing. When we go to a bank uh, to, uh, for our mortgage, and I, may, some of you may have had this experience, you sit down with the, the person in the bank and you're you know, working out whether you can afford the mortgage, and, um, and the first thing they say is, oh, well, can you take the, you know, take the giving off? Anyone else had that experience? No. No, no, we don't compromise on that. That goes on first. If we need to take something off, we'll take it off at the other end. No, that's first. Why? Because, because Ali and I have made a decision. We don't want be, to be controlled by the spirit of mammon. So we will put him first. He goes first. And so it's not that, that God wants your money. He wants what it represents. Because it represents our heart. It represents our motives. It represents who is first. What is first? That's what it represents. So this is how we disarm it. The spirit of mammon seeks to control your life. It, it's pushing on us all the time. It's always talking to us. When you need more. Don't you, don't you, lo- you, know, you want that? You should get that. You can afford that. Just put it on the credit card. Pay for it later. You, you will pay for it later. You know what I mean? Like, but it's, it's always on us. It's always on us. Always speaking, always... And so, and so what does it want to do? It wants to be first. That's what it's trying to do. It's trying to be first. It's trying to take your affection and your atten- attention away from the true source of life. Come on, it's saying, it's saying over here, come on, if you just buy that, you'll feel better. Come on, life, life is over here. Come on, this is, you'll, feel, you'll feel better about yourself. You'll feel not, you know. But we know that true, the true source of life is in Jesus. He, he, is, he is our source. He is life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And so, and so it's, it's, about, it's, it's, it's always on us. It's always on us. All right. Uh, how are we going for time? Let me just jump through these three warnings about money. Then we got, have we got questions? No questions yet? Hit me with some questions if you want some questions answered. I thought we'd have heaps of questions on money. All right. So three warnings about money. So the first one here is we live disempowered by the lack of it. Anyone identify with that? When, when we have, have lack of, of resources in our lives, we feel like we're restricted with our ability to, to be generous. We feel we're restricted with our ability to do things, um, you know, even things that we want to do for our family. Um, so we, we feel disempowered by the lack. Uh, um, so l- let, me, let me put it like this. Jesus has given us guardrails for our life. And on, uh, there, are, there are two cliffs that we could fall into here. We could fall into, into greed, where we're, you know, we're in love with money. We could fall into, into a fear of money. 
and they're two cliffs that we could fall off. God has given us um, guardrails for our lives so that we don't fall off into those cliffs. Those, those guardrails are stewardship and generosity. You know, he, he talks a lot about stewardship, about being a good steward with our money, about using it for what it's designed for, about not being a slave to it, but mastering it. Um, you know, the, there's lots of passages that talk about, uh, you know, that we were designed to, to create wealth. Um, and, and so what I'm not saying is that you need to be rich. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Uh, but but there, is, there are people that have a lot of money in the bank that are enslaved by money. And there are people with little in the bank that are enslaved by money. The, the point is to be free from the power of money. And, and what does Paul say? He says, whether I have little or whether I have much, I am content. And so that's telling me that Paul was saying, whether I'm rich or poor, uh, this thing will not enslave me. I'm content with what I have. So that's how we know that we're not under its power. So we have those two guardrails for our lives. So we live disempowered by the lack of it. We live distracted by the unsurrendered excess of it. Distracted by the unsurrendered excess of it. We, we live in a society where uh, we actually have a lot of money. If you, if, you have, uh, if you have 10 cents in your pocket right now, or 10 cents in your bank, you're among the top 5% wealthiest in the world. But we live in a society where we have a lot of it. Did you know that, uh, that uh, in statistics, um, Christians gave more during the Great Depression than they do now? So, so what does that tell me? That, that we are distracted by the unsurrendered excess of it. That actually when times are tougher, believers actually are more generous. Come on, th- th- this thing is distracting us. <laughs> yeah? There was a man who um, came to Peter Marshall, he was the chaplain in the United States um, Senate in the late 1940s, and he was concerned with giving. And he said to Dr. Marshall, I, I have a problem, I, I've been giving for some time, it wasn't too bad when I started out working, I, I was making uh, $20,000 a year and I could afford to give 2000 But you see Peter, I'm now making $50,000 a year and there's just no way that I could, uh, uh, sorry, now I'm making $500,000 a year and there's just no way I can afford to give $50,000. And uh, Dr. Marshall reflected on the wealthy man's dilemma, but offered him no advice. He simply said, yes, sir, I I think we ought to pray about this. The man agreed, so Dr. Marshall bowed his head. He put his hand on the man's shoulder, and he prayed with boldness and authority. Dear Lord, I pray that you reduce the salary back to the place where he can afford to give again. (laughs) You may laugh. But this is the reality of one of the biggest God tests in our life. What will we do with what we have now? Will we be faithful with little so that God can trust us with much? See, see, here's here's the truth. Money does not change us. Has anyone heard that say, you know, when someone comes into a lot of money, it's like, oh, they're so different now. You know, money's changed them. Money does not change you, it just unmasks you. Yeah, what you do with little is what you will do with much. Yeah? Be faithful with little. This is what God says. Be faithful with little and then you will be trusted with much. See, I would like to suggest, the other, the other week I talked about worship and said that God does not need our worship. 
He's not, he's not, you know, saying, I, I need Michael to worship me so that I feel better about myself. God is not saying that. We need worship because we need to shift our attention and our affection on God. We actually need to worship. And generosity is the same. God does not need our money. We actually need to, to participate in this kingdom practice of generosity so that our attention and our affection is on Him. This is what it's about. It's about our, our attention and our affection. It's about our allegiance. It's about whether we're choosing to follow Jesus or not. The last one here is that we live dominated by the misunderstanding of it. We, we fear what we, we misunderstand. So does money have a purpose? Yes, it has a purpose. And it's crying out to get into the hands of kingdom ambassadors who will use it for its original purpose. And we'll talk about what its purpose is in a minute. I'll, I'll just leave you with a, a quote from Toza and then we'll jump some questions. Have you got questions? Cool, all right. So Toza said this, A.W. Toza said, I don't think I exaggerate when I say that some of us put our offering in the plate with a kind of triumphant bounce as much as to say, there now, God will feel better. I am obliged to tell you that God does not need anything you have. He does not need a dime of your money. It is your own spiritual welfare at stake in such matters as these. You have the right to keep what you have all to yourself, but it will rust and decay and ultimately ruin you. All right. Where are we with questions? Look how much stuff that I had before we got to questions. <laughs> All right. Right, so the most practical way is to make him first in your giving. Um, so um, I'm sure there probably is a question about, is there a question about tithing? Yeah, okay, great. All right, so, so I think one of the confusions maybe um, around, uh, some of you may and may not have heard of the term tithing. Um, I, I personally don't believe that tithing is a New Testament um, thing. Um, it, tithing was actually a, um, a, Levit a Levitical tax. So I Israel was a, a theocracy, so they lived under a theocracy. So um, the, the, the religious system was the government of the day, and so that's how they paid tax, was through tithing. So it was not just for the Levites, it was also for their welfare and all that sort of stuff, right? So... so um, so I don't personally believe that tithing is, is right. I, I think if someone uses that passage from Malachi 5 and says if you don't tithe that you're robbing God, I think it's spiritual manipulation. Um, and it's, it's fear-based control. Um, that's just my opinion. Other people can have a different opinion. Um, but he, here's my, my thought is this, all right? So I do believe in the principle of first fruits, all right? So that we are, we are supposed to give God first, all right? What percentage that is, is up to you, all right? Paul, so, so whilst I don't believe that tithing is uh, a New Testament uh, law, there is absolutely precedent uh, for, um, for uh, people being asked to give a portion of their income. Paul did it. He asked the church to set aside a portion of their income, a percentage of their income. Um, and so I think that's a really important way of doing it. So, so what we do, Ali and I, uh, we made a decision that if, if under law it was 10%, then under grace we would never go below 10%. So we, we refuse to give below 10, um, and, and so, um, so that's what we do. So we set aside that at the start of our budget. And so we're saying to God, this, 
this is first. You are first with our money. And then the rest of it is set apart. Yeah? The rest of it has his, his blessing. And, uh, and so then we were able to use the rest of that. So, so there's, uh, I talk a lot more about this in the other messages about, about sowing. Don't eat the seed. Come on, if you've got a corn cob and you eat the whole corn cob, instead of planting the seed, you could have had a whole field. Yeah, so, so there's real specific principles about sowing, don't eat the seed, and there's real specific principles about bread, about there, there is actually money that's for you. Use it for your pleasure. Enjoy it, yeah? Um, but, but put Jesus first, put God first. I hope that, um, I hope that helps. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so how do we disarm the spirit of mammon? Generosity is one of, one of those things. You know, it's like uh, um, we, are, we are designed to be generous people. So we're reflecting the, the very essence of who we are as human beings and the nature and image of God when we are generous. And, and so we are stepping into the flow of the kingdom when we, when we step into generosity. So to say, uh, you know, like, um, you know, if we were to think about the opposite of generosity, like a generous person is like a tight and stingy person. Who wants to be a tight and stingy person? You know, like who wants to be remembered as tight and stingy? Oh yeah, Michael, I remember him, he was tight as, you know, like, like no, no one wants to be remembered as, as that. Um, and, and that's because we actually weren't designed to be tight and stingy. You know, like, like stewardship, I, I think one of the things as well, like with stewardship, is that um, some people are really, really good with money. They're really, really good stewards of money, but they're also really tight. Like we are not good stewards for stewardship's sake. We're good, we, the, the way the kingdom operates is that we are good stewards for generosity's sake. So we are good with our money so that we can be generous on every occasion. That's what Paul says. So that in every occasion we are able to give. So we're good stewards so that we are able to be generous. And so, um, yeah, I don't remember the question, but I think I answered it. <laughs> Absolutely, yep. So in Proverbs, it says, if you are in debt to a man, you are enslaved to him. Yeah, so, so how do we know that we are enslaved to the, the system of money? We are in debt. Um, yeah, so there's only one debt that I would uh, suggest and that's a mortgage. Um, I mean, if you can buy a house without getting a mortgage, good on you. Um, but that's, that would be the only uh, one that I would suggest because, because property is a good investment. Right? Property's not going to go backwards um, unless the whole world falls over. Uh, then we're all screwed. But anyway. <laughs> but, but, but that would be the only debt that I would suggest um, because everything, like, even just recently with the, um, you know, the, the mortgage holidays, and, you know, the offer of that, I was like, I was freaking out. Like, I was like, please, I hope no one gets that. Because that is not a holiday. You, that's just interest on interest on interest that you're going to have to pay at the end. Um, but often because we, are, we, are, we misunderstand money, we end up going into debt and mismanaging it. And we mismanage it and then we're managed by it. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, and, and maybe you need to get a financial plan to get out of debt. That's what cap money is for. Um, and so that you can be free. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, the Bible says that, that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. Um, some people are rich because they're tight, and 
Uh, I, I found, I used, to be, I used to be in business and I used to find that the worst payers were the ones with the most money. Um, and, so, um, and, and so that's just unfortunate. Uh, what, what, what we're saying here is that there is a, there is a way that the kingdom operates. Um, and so if you want to get in with God's way with the kingdom, then this is, this is his way. It, it doesn't mean that um, all people that have lots of money um, are doing it right. And, and I think the first thing that we should stop doing is comparing our lives to one another. Um, because if we're looking to one another as the mark, remember what I talked about when I said becoming like Jesus? Like he is the mark, not one another. You know, I want to be like Jesus. I don't want to be like Josh. As good as Josh is, and he's a great guy, I just don't want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. And so if I compared my, the way that I was following Jesus with my stewardship of my money and resources compared to Josh's life, then I would be missing the mark. And so I want to be, I want to be like Jesus, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think if you can get a good cha- paying job, get a good paying job. Like, why not? Um, the, 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 the point is motive, eh? You know, like, what's important to you? If, if a good paying job means that, um, that you, you, you know, your relationship with Jesus is going to um, be impeded, then maybe you need to make a choice about that. Or, or family, or things that are important. Um, but if you can get a good paying job, like, you know, like, um, you know, I, I was looking the other day for, no, I was <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> Just joking, just joking. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, I think, uh, but I think that it's like, well, what are we gonna do with that? But sometimes people go up the ranks and earn, earn more and more money, and they just continue to live to their means. Um, and so, so just because we have more money doesn't mean that we're going to be more generous or, uh, you know, we just end up buying more and more expensive things. So, so yeah, it's about motive. Yeah, but if you can get a better paying job, go for it. All power to you. All right. Music team can come back up. Thanks, team. Sorry I've been a little bit longer this morning, um, but I just want to finish with one last, last little thought, um, and that is the, p- the purpose of money. Um, so once we are free from the enslavement of money, we can actually start to redeem money. Um, and so, so when the kingdom comes, all things have been restored back to their original identity and purpose. So what's the original purpose of money? Um, um, at our leadership course on Thursday night, I was talking about um, power. And um, I heard Tim Mackey recently talk about the origin of power, what, like what's the purpose of power? And um, I think this totally lines up with the purpose of money because has anyone heard the saying, money is power? Yeah, money is power. If you want to keep a people group enslaved, restrict their access to money. Yeah, money is power. You've never seen, you know, people that are enslaved being rich. It's just, you know, the, the money has been restricted to them. So money is power. And so what is power's original purpose? What is what is power's original purpose? So where's the first place we see in the Bible that power is used? O- on the first page of the Bible. In Genesis, power, uh, God uses power and authority and he speaks uh, light into darkness. Uh, he looks over the earth which is chaotic and without void and he speaks power and authority into it and he takes what's chaotic and without form and... Um, and he uses power to bring order for what purpose? To produce life. 
to produce life. This is what God is doing. He wants to produce life. And then what does God do with power? He shares it. He shares it with us. He says, now, now humanity, you go, I give you dominion, I give you power over every living thing, over everything that walks on the earth. And so he shares power with us. So now we have power. What did he not give us power over? Each other. He didn't give us power over each other. He gave us power over every living thing, over the earth, subdue it, you know, multiply. Um, turn it into something good. Turn it into something beautiful. What did we do with it? We used it to rule over each other. <laughs> and, and chaos ensued, and then we've got you know, the whole story of the Bible. It's like this downward spiral of humanity. And, you know, and, and so Jesus comes and he redeems power. How does he redeem power? Not by grasping for it, but by laying it down. Yeah? So God uses power to take what's broken, to take what's chaotic, to bring order, to produce life. What is the purpose of money? For us to produce life with it. For, for us to take what is broken in our world and use generosity to bring the kingdom of heaven, which restores all things back to its original identity and purpose, that, that life would come. You know, and so, so I would just really like to leave you with that thought, that the purpose of money... You know, we're good stewards with our money so that we can partner with God to bring life, to restore our communities, to bring hope into our communities. You know, let's, let's be generous people, eh? I love to go to cafes and like buy the coffee for the next person. Yeah. Why? Just because it kind of disrupts something for the people, eh? So, so here's the last thought. Generosity disrupts the system for you yeah, the enslavement system, but it disrupts the system for others. In, in Proverbs 25, it, it says, let me just finish with this. No, where is it? Right, if, sorry. If you see your enemy hungry, no! <laughs> that's right, it's all right, it's all right. If you see your enemy hungry, listen to this. If you see your en enemy hungry, go and buy him lunch. If he's thirsty, bring him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness and God will look after you. One version says that your generosity will awaken their conscience. Years ago, I got a phone call from a friend in Christchurch, and she said, I've just been robbed. I've just been mugged. And she was attacked by three other girls. They robbed her. They took everything from her. And, and, and a, a couple of weeks later, the, the girls got caught. A couple of weeks later, she went to a restorative justice meeting. She turned up with presents for them. She turned up with presents and said, oh, you've hurt me, but I want to show you how good my God is. And I want, to, I want to, come on, what did she do? She disrupted them with kindness, with generosity. She gave them presents and said, hey, you, you don't know who God is, but, and you've hurt me, but this is what God looks like. Come on, we can use generosity to disrupt the systems around us, to bring hope, to bring life, to bring the goodness of God. Come on, why don't we stand this morning? We're going to share around communion now, so feel free to come and, and take that and share in the life and goodness of God. But you might want to respond in some way. Maybe you just want to get on your knees and say, God, I just feel like I've been enslaved by this thing and I want to be free. Just respond in some way this morning. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your goodness. Jesus, we thank you that you came and you showed us what God is like. We thank you that you are God's mind made up about us, that you demonstrated the generosity and the love of the Father towards us. And we thank you, Jesus, that, that you gave us 
your spirit, that, that, that you gave us this mission to, to, to partner with you to restore all things back to the original identity and purpose, that we are ambassadors of this good kingdom. We are ambassadors of this good Father. And so, Father, we, we thank you that, that you have shared that power with us, and we want to be good stewards of that power. We want to be good stewards of what you have given us in our hand. And we just, we just thank you that, that for, for everyone here this morning. We thank you for, for where they are at in their journey. We thank you that we don't have to look to each other to, to figure out how good we are or where we are. The comparison isn't a part of your kingdom. Competition's not a part of your kingdom. Jesus, we look to you. You are the mark. Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to be generous like you. And we thank you that you have shown us how to disarm the spirit that wants to enslave us so that we can live free, so that we can live with open hands to those around us, so that we can take money and redeem its purpose to bring life and hope into the world. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you are so good. We love you, God. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, amen. Amen. Thanks, team.